P-Hub a couple weeks ago released its year in review of all of the search data on the platform from last year. And I always find it interesting to look at this because it is the maybe the closest thing to quantitative data we have representing what's going on in the male collective consciousness. Because from a Jungian perspective, our chosen fantasies or the types of storylines we're drawn to symbolize the deeper desires of our unconscious. They represent psychodramas, meaning they represent the emotional journey that our psyche wants to go to for deeper fulfillment. And when it comes to sexual fantasies, especially for men, it actually doesn't have a lot to do with sex, at least not directly. What a man is drawn to, a hetero man is drawn to as far as his sexual fantasies actually reveal a lot more of his unconscious relationship to what we might call the feminine. So this can include his relations to women and it is revealed. It, it is revealed in his relationships to women, but also his inner emotions, intangible qualities such as intrinsic self-worth and basically his feelings. One interesting example of this is a study done by Mercyhurst College back in 2008 where they mapped the body type of the Playboy centerfold of that year from 1960 to 2000 to how the economy was doing. And they found that when the economy was not doing so well, when men presumably were worried about money or survival, the Playboy centerfold of that year, which perhaps represented what men were into that year collectively, was taller, more muscular, maybe even had more masculine features. Whereas when the economy was doing well, less people worried about money, people, men were feeling more abundant. They were drawn to smaller women who were curvier, who maybe had more fertility markers. The recent P-Hub data has shown that the biggest trend increase has been around older women and mother figures. The term MILF rose up to number two in the categories and on all of those categories, MILF, mature, they've always been in the top, but it has been the largest increase in interest of recent. And in light of what I shared earlier about fantasies, you don't have to be particularly sophisticated to recognize that perhaps the interest in MILF, mature, older women in the male collective consciousness represents something about what we might call mommy issues or what a Jungian analyst would refer to as the mother complex. In simple terms, the mother complex is maternal imprinting received when you were a literal boy, but is still affecting your adult male behavior. So guys with an active mother complex usually have issues with women, their relations with women, either they're intimidated by women or maybe specifically intimidated by women's emotions. If they're in a relationship, they often turn their girlfriend into their mother. They likely have shame around sexuality. Very often there's a split between love and sex where they can't feel them at the same time, known as a Madonna whore complex, which we'll discuss briefly here. And overall, they have a disconnect from what Jung would call the anima, their inner feminine. So their emotions, the way they process their emotions, self-expression, their access to self-validation, and the ability to develop secure attachment. So to be clear, this is not to pathologize or shame anyone who's into older women. There's nothing wrong with that. And actually, I would, I would argue, and I'll discuss briefly, evolutionary reasons as to why particularly a young man would be interested in older women or particularly attracted to older women. But if you have any of the symptoms discussed as far as the mother complex, regardless of your age, it is an opportunity for growth. I would argue it is your psyche trying to give you a roadmap or trying to drive you towards a certain emotional journey to complete yourself as a man. So in this episode, we are going to look at certain mother complex myths and how it reveals what is needed by the male psyche. 
Obviously, we need to look at Oedipus Rex and the Oedipus Complex. Don't worry, I have a different take from Freud. I don't think that you secretly want to sleep with your mother. Freud's a sick fuck, and you are too for bringing it up. We're also going to look at some more contemporary fictions, such as The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman, and how it directly relates to what you see in the MILF trope and pornography. Don't worry, we're going to stay safe for work here. And also some other films that kind of touch on the mother complex, such as Taxi Driver and Fight Club. So I'm going to start off with a bold statement that might upset some people. If you have a strong sexual romantic attraction to the maternal archetype, then some part of you does not see yourself as a man. So meaning if you are sexually drawn to this trope in particular... Or if you project your mother onto women you date or somehow sex and romance and motherness, there's some association, then some part of you does not see yourself as a man, particularly in the eyes of the feminine. Now, again, I want to say this is not a pathology. There are many evolutionary justifications as to why a young man, particularly an adolescent male, new to his sexuality, new to being attracted to women in that way, might have this particular fantasy or be more drawn to an older woman than to girls his own age who are also figuring out for themselves, right? It, it makes sense actually as a psychodrama or a playbook that he would have the fantasy or be drawn to you know, a Mrs. Robinson type, an older woman who's already well-versed in this realm to educate him in the ways of love, so to speak. It totally makes sense. But if you are an adult male well past puberty and you still have this attachment or this is the type of storyline or psychodrama that still particularly appeals to you, I would say that this is you know, a need for growth that at least biologically maybe should have happened earlier in life. So let's look at two psychodramas that display different parts of this male psychic need to grow, if you will. First is the Mrs. Robinson slash MILF trope, you know, what you see in, in the movie, The Graduate is actually basically the same story structure as you see in MILF pornography. And the second is, of course, Oedipus Rex, the Oedipus complex with a slightly different take than Freud. So first looking at the Mrs. Robinson MILF thing, what you see consistent in this story structure is that the woman, obviously she's older, but she's usually sp specifically a mother, right? If you look at the P-Hub data, for instance, there's the search specifically for the MILF, the mother I would like to F, rather than some other terms like cougar or whatever. And, and this could be because of cultural momentum. I mean, American Pie in the late 90s coined the term MILF, and maybe it's a more fun term than the term cougar or older woman or whatever. But if you look at, again at P-Hub, a lot of what's within this trope is specifically stepmom stuff or friend's mom stuff or girlfriend's mom stuff. There's something about the momness of this older woman trope in, in pornography. And again, also seen in the movie, The Graduate. In the movie, The Graduate, Mrs. Robinson is literally the mother of Dustin Hoffman's eventual love interest. And one thing you see consistent about the female character in both The Graduate and the pornography trope is that she obviously is older, she's a mother, but she's also the aggressor. She is typically the initiator, she is sexually aggressive. And the male character in this storyline is always an innocent, passive, boy-like figure. Like his, whether, you know, obviously he's younger, but his view of the world is a little bit more naive. His view of sexuality is a little bit more naive. He's certainly not the hunter. He is in a passive role. In other words, the responsibility of this act is not on him. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> now, the older woman seduces the younger man. They progress to sex. But what this represents psychologically is that 
in seducing him, in leading him into the bedroom in some way, she is seeing him as sexually viable. She is validating him as a man, right? This is an innocent young man who sees himself as a boy, but she sees him as a man. Right? She's pulling him into the world of adulthood represented by sexuality. And I would argue that this is the sexual or feminine equivalent of the chosen one trope that you often see in hero's journey adventure stories. So if you look at you know Luke Skywalker or even Harry Potter, Frodo, Spider-Man, in those stories, which more represent the masculine side of uh, the protagonist's you know, psychic development, if you will. The young male protagonist thinks he's a nobody. And then some authority comes along, usually a male mentor in those st uh, stories who says, no, actually, you're not a nobody. You are the chosen one, or you're some special person that's going to save the world. You're some version of a messiah. You're a wizard, Harry. In this kind of story, though, it is the woman saying this. It is the representative of the feminine archetype of the proverbial mother, if you will, the goddess saying, you are worthy. And actually, if you look at the stepmom subtrope of the MILF trope in pornography, very often there is an implication or even like a direct line in these stories of the stepmother not only saying that the boy is viable, but better than his father, right? He is more of a man than his father, which leads us into the second trope, which is the Oedipus Rex storyline, popularized in this sense by Freud's Oedipus Complex. So a bit of a sidebar, a lot of people nowadays believe that Freud and his theories always ended up being about sex because Freud as a man was sexually repressed and that's why it was an obsession. Whereas many of the same people say that Jung allegedly wasn't sexually repressed, in which case he was less obsessed with making everything about sexuality. If you saw the heavily fictionized movie, A Dangerous Method, there's actually a scene where Jung supposedly invents BDSM as a form of therapy with great acting by Kira Knightley. So in the Oedipus Rex story, you may already know. Oedipus was a Greek king who killed his father and married his mother. <sighs> Fucking Greeks. This does not mean that men secretly want to sleep with their mothers. What the mother and father represent here are aspects of the psyche. So when you were a young boy, and this is true for all children, you see your parents in a kind of deified state. As a young boy, your mother represents the feminine of the universe, right? She is your ultimate source of love, of healing, of nurturing. You know, she can kiss the boo-boo and make everything feel better. And also intrinsic validation, right? She loves you just for being you. Mommy, in this sense, is the goddess. And if you look at any myth in religion, Essentially, and this, is, this goes across the board, right? Monotheistic religions, polytheistic religions, pagan religions. But anytime there's a personified deity, the way they frame the human to divine relationship almost always directly maps to the toddler-parent relationship, right? When you are a little kid, your parents seem like deities, right? They seem omnipotent, omniscient. They decide what happens for you and you don't always understand their ways, right? In monotheism, this is more obvious in the language of say, God, the father being a, a son of God, let's say. And in polytheistic religions, you also see this, right? Like the way that, you know, let's say the ancient Greeks or, you know, Hindus viewed their pantheon of goddess, uh, gods and goddesses it's almost like a little kid looking at what the parents do or looking at what the adults do, right? They can do things in ways that are not clear or understandable to most you know, mortals, so to speak. The Oedipus story of marrying your mother is an attempt at reunification, like you're coming back into union from being a separate male entity with the feminine. Now, the father obviously then represents the masculine. 
when you're a little boy, if you remember your perceptions of your father, if you had a relationship with your father, he likely represented, at least when you're really young, potency in the material world, right? You see this very commonly in little boys. Every little boy wants to think of his father being the strongest man in the world. You know, my dad can beat up your dad kind of thing. And therefore, he also represents the harshness of the world, right? You only need potency, you know, strength to battle the forces of nature if there are external forces of nature. So in the Oedipus Rex mythology, killing the father represents taking his place, taking his power, if you will. I mean, in the story, Oedipus literally becomes the king after killing his father, the king. He becomes, therefore, the protector and the provider of the realm and in marrying his mother, the procreator, right? This myth symbolizes taking your father's place as the representative of your genetic lineage, right? You are the one who makes babies now. And marrying the mother means being validated as a man by the archetypal or impersonal feminine represented by the mother. So in both myths, both the Mrs. Robinson MILF fantasy and Oedipus Rex, you see an impotent boy or a boy who is meaningless, right? Even in the Oedipus story, like he was, he thought of himself as just some commoner, some regular kid. You know, Harry Potter is just some regular person. Luke Skywalker is some regular, you know, farmer on Tatooine. But being now validated by the feminine as a virile man, by the ultimate feminine authority, which is the archetypal mother, in the most objective way, which is sex. In these stories, it's as if the goddess came down from heaven and said, you are now worthy of adoration. You are now worthy of love and respect from women. You are now worthy to pass on your genes and procreate. I hereby pronounce women will find you attractive. Now, if you're a woman listening or watching this, it might be very hard to understand. I, I think actually in our modern culture, especially, it is very difficult for a woman to understand the highly vulnerable significance of sexuality and specifically sexual validation Unless you have sons or brothers you're close with or like male friends that you're really close with and like discuss emotions with, you probably don't understand it because in our culture, you know, specifically bro culture, anytime sexuality is discussed amongst young men, it's in this very invulnerable, usually crass way. So from the outside, it can seem like to women, it can seem like all guys care about is, you know, racking up belt notches or measuring their dicks. But I think most men, unless, you know, if you've ever had any kind of pain around female validation, which of course relates to sexuality, then you understand that sexual validation from women, it's not, it's not about the pleasure of sex, or it's not even about being cool to your friends. It's about a deep feeling of self-worth that cannot really be replicated in other areas, right? Because to be, you know, invalidated by women on the sexual front specifically, to be rejected, to, to have women say, I'm not into you in that way, is kind of like nature saying you are not worthy of procreating. And I don't want to go into this whole thing necessarily about like, say, validating the incel experience, but maybe to understand a little bit why beneath the crass jokes, between the, beneath the bro humor, sexual validation of women is deeply, deeply meaningful to most men, particularly young men or any man with insecurities in this area. Because of course there are more profound and important forms of intimacy than just physical intimacy. And as a man matures, he becomes more interested in that stuff. But at the root of it all, the most primal base level, it is specifically the sexual validation of women that tells a man to this, you know, boy, you know, young part of his psyche, how powerful he is, how important he is, 
how desirable he is, which really beneath all the sex stuff relates to love. It's, you know, again, on a biological sense, it's like, it's like nature saying you are worthy of passing on your genes, which is why when we go into the archetypal psychological stuff, this is why sex ends up being wrapped up in what really is about validation from your inner mother or the archetypal mother. Now let's talk about integrating the complex. Because the flip side of all of this is that if you're drawn to this particular type of psychodrama, then this is the journey that your unconscious wants to go to, to go from being a boy in your own eyes to being a man. And we can lay out the basic psychological differences between how a boy perceives woman or the feminine versus how a man does. So boy views woman as mommy, right? She is there to soothe his emotional problems because he can't do it on his own. Whereas a man takes care of his own emotional problems. If you read No More Mr. Nice Guy, Robert Glover, who's been on the podcast, spoke about how a nice guy who typically has a mother complex has the inability to self-soothe. So he has to, you know, get women into these covert contracts to in order to, um, you know, take care of his emotional problems, whereas a man doesn't need women for that, right? A boy depends on a woman's love, therefore he's needy, whereas a man is delighted, by a woman's love, if it's there. He's delighted by her light side, all of the wonderful things of femininity. He enjoys it, but he doesn't need it. A boy is intimidated by her power, the woman's power or her wrath or her emotions, whereas a man contains her dark side, right? You know, these, you know, inconvenient emotions are simply a part of women and, and a real man just deals with it. He contains it. He maybe puts rails around it, but he's not, he's not uh, you know, at the mercy of it. Boy views woman as the keeper of all of the treasures of the anima or the feminine, love, sex, validation, and he has no control over when she gives it to him, which is why he ends up supplicating himself. Whereas a man knows he has access to it, right? Whether it's through a specific woman, whether it's through women, whether it's through self-validation, he doesn't need women to give him anything and therefore he's not needy and he doesn't need to compromise himself in order to get the good feels from a woman or women. Therefore, a boy will always be at the mercy of the feminine because he needs her to reward him for his so-called good behavior. Whereas a man is independent because he has internalized his intrinsic value, he has internalized his anima, and therefore he has his own source of those good feelings. Now, one way to think of the mother complex or, or even complexes as a whole is like, it's like the imprinting of your mother, the feelings you associated with your mother as a child are taking up real estate in your psyche. Right? If you caught my episode on how to stop giving in temptations, this is kind of the basis of transactional analysis, whereas all of our unconscious patterns and relationships in life come from this kind of internal parent-child dynamic that keeps playing out even while we're a conscious adult. And if you don't address this, you don't address the mother complex specifically, what ends up happening is either one of two things or both actually, you seek mommy and others because you're trying to complete that maternal relationship that wasn't completed when you were a young boy. So you see this in, again, men turning their girlfriends into their mother, treating their woman like their mother. Usually this leads to sexless relationships because the boy doesn't want to feel sexual around who he now perceives as his mother figure. Or this actually might be a guy still maintaining a childlike relationship with his literal mommy or some other kind of maternal figure, such as the 30-something who still lives at home. The other option or the other coping mechanism, if you will, something that Marie-Louise von Franz would speak about a lot is that men with an active mother complex will go to places in their psyche where the archetypal mother won't go, which typically means 
violence, sometimes extreme violence, or loveless sex, the Madonna horror complex. So in violence, you see this actually in the movies a lot. One classic film, White Heat, James Cagney plays a, a criminal, like a pretty psychopathic criminal with low empathy for other people. He's ruthless, but he also has this infantile attachment to his mom, which is displayed in the iconic last scene. Essentially, he did all of this killing and carnage to please his mother, which is weird, obviously. And you also see this indirectly in movies where there are all-male spaces, you know, the classic one being Fight Club, where you have these men who are clearly in like a boyhood phase, right? They're looking at Tyler Durden to be their daddy. You know, they're going through this pledge process, essentially. And the Fight Club is like this boys' club space where boys can be boys, they can beat the crap out of each other, and there is no mother around, right? There's no mother complex addressed in the movie, but that's because there's no mother complex anywhere. Like all of these boys are trying to get away from society, if you will, which represents the archetypal mother. And then on the sex front, you have what's known as the Madonna whore complex, which is related to the mother complex. I might actually do another episode just on Madonna whore because someone just messaged me on Instagram with some questions about it. But essentially what it is, is because of this attachment to the mother figure, the archetypal mother, the, the, the perfect angelic woman represented by Madonna, love and sex are separate, right? You don't want to tarnish Madonna by bringing sexuality and you don't want to love the whore, you know, the Mary Magdalene, if you will, because that's what sex is for. So in such men, love and sex become separate. Such men, you know, might again, be unable to feel sex, uh, sexual desire for a woman they or they're in love with because they're projecting their mother. And therefore he has to go elsewhere seeking loveless sex in a sense, in order to get away from mom. And again, and this is why I think the Oedipus or Mrs. Robinson or MILF trope in pornography actually represents an attempt of the unconscious, an attempt of the psyche to overcome this dichotomy, right? The unconscious is trying to merge love and sex and therefore grow up as a man, trying to merge love and sex by, in the fiction, having sex with the ultimate love, which is mommy. You see a version of this in both the movies The Graduate and Taxi Driver, where the male protagonist takes their takes his date or takes his love interest into a, a hypersexual environment almost to sabotage the love. So in The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman's character, Benjamin Braddock, due to his shame around sleeping with his love's mother, takes her to a strip club to obviously sabotage the date and kind of keep love and se sex separate by kind of forcing them together in a weird way. And in Taxi Driver, you see a more unconscious version of this where Robert De Niro's character, Travis Bickle, who is totally, you know, in a way he's disconnected from the real world, but he's also totally disconnected from the feminine and real feelings. Therefore, he actually, maybe in a genuine way, wants to bring his perceived Madonna to where the horrors are. Like he takes his love interest to a literal pornography film and obviously it blows up in his face. And I've seen this also in the many guys I've coached around dating and relationships and sexuality, where when a guy has a very active mother complex, very often either his sexuality is completely off, right? He has, you know, he's so inhibited by shame that's hard for him to even feel sexual with women at all, or his sexual interest goes into kind of this like extreme, weird, taboo realm where he's drawn to these weird 
sexual things, which of course increases his shame, which then even strengthens the archetypal mother because it, it further separates his ability to feel sexual desire and love. Love stays with the archetypal mother and the mother complex and sex becomes weirder and further and further away from, you know, a healthy attachment with a real woman. And this kind of separation, this Madonna horror separation is often driven by a, a deep rooted resentment at the archetypal mother, a deep rooted resentment at the feminine for being able to control or enmeshing or looming over his emotions. So he goes further and further away to just go somewhere where he feels like he can be, whether it's in violence or extreme sex, like some realm where his consciousness can go that's far away from the overbearing mother. And sometimes he'll have to go to extremes to feel like he can be a sovereign, independent being, be it, you know, in the, you know, imaginary fight club or, you know, sexual extremes. And it's important to understand that these coping mechanisms are not healing, right? If you think of complexes, again, like a tumor taking up real estate in your psyche, zapping energy, redirecting resources, then these coping mechanisms, be they imaginary sex or violence or Madonna horse stuff or whatever, it's kind of like, you know, keeping the tumor separate, trying to, trying to feed it so that it leaves you alone, which obviously is not how tumors work. Whereas in, you know, in the Jungian lens, you often hear about people speaking about integrating, right? Because it's not that the complex is bad or archetypes are bad or wrong, but it's when they're dissociated or acting on their own or separately, that's when they affect you in a negative way, right? Like you should have some sort of imprinting from your mother, right? If your mother loved you at all, then that imprinting should be in there affecting your adult personality. It's when we call it a complex, when it's acting separately, sabotaging your ability to feel certain positive things that is an issue. So when it comes to integrating the mother complex, we can actually look at the coping mechanisms and in a sense, do the opposite. So if you see that you have the tendency to separate love and sex, which I actually think represents separating self-validation from your true desire, you can find ways to essentially de-shame your actual desire. So if you're looking at sexuality, you know, since a lot of guys with active mother complexes have shame around their sexuality with clients, and this, anyone can do this on their own actually, is can you allow yourself to really explore your sexual fantasies without shame? Can you validate yourself as a quote unquote good boy, even when you desire whatever you desire? Can you desire to do all the raunchy things while also seeing yourself as a good man, as opposed to trying to be good, you know, in day-to-day -day life and then at night, you know, jerking off to porn in a kind of shameful way, right? Can you integrate those things? And one way to do this is, you know, what Jung would call active imagination, where you allow yourself to imagine the things that really, you know, get your body stimulated while also addressing the feelings of shame that might come up. Can you allow yourself to see your true desire in the light, so to speak? And actually for a very relevant example, one of my clients who had a lot of shame around his sexuality also, you know, actually what was interesting is he's in his, you know, he's, he's older, right? He's in his forties, just starting to address, uh, you know, his sexuality consciously, just starting to date consciously, you know, look under the hood of, you know, why his relationships with women haven't been so great. And I had him go through this active imagination exercise, exploring what his real sexual desires were, because he found it hard to really recognize what his body wanted in this realm. And what was really interesting is that when he went into it, he couldn't help imagining his mom. And I was like, that was weird. And, you know, obviously there's like shame wrapped up in that idea, but and this, cause it sounds strange. I, encouraged him to imagine the sexual fantasy that turned him on the most 
and then add his mother in the room, right? Imagine whatever, whatever you want to imagine with women and imagine your mom is watching you. And can you let yourself play through that fantasy where you feel the turn on and also this kind of fictional mother's approval? Because what always held him back with women was this, his mother complex, his inner perception that his mom disapproved of him being with women. And this lasted into his 40s. Because again, this is not about sex. It's your unconscious trying to use sex as a tool to get you to grow up. At the root of it all is that you want to be able to say to yourself truthfully, I can be loved in my full expression, right? I validate myself with whatever is true about me, whatever my impulses are, sexual, violent, masculine, unmasculine, whatever. Which brings us to the next piece about seeking mommy and others. This suggestion I have is, is actually comes from John Wineland. It's something he coined uh, known as the feminine cleanse. Anish Patel came on my podcast some time ago to speak about it. And it's essentially taking a period of time where you cleanse yourself or separate yourself from anything from women that gives you a hit of validation, right? You're not trying to flirt. You're not trying to date. You're being celibate. You're, you're doing everything you can to no longer need anything from the feminine because anytime you feel you need something from the feminine, even in the sexual realm, in a sense, you are placing them as above you as the mother figure that gives you these things that you can't get anywhere else but from women or from an archetypal mother. So spending some time, you know, cutting yourself off. And the goal of this is to bring yourself into that state where you can provide that for yourself, where you can get in touch with what Jung called the anima, the inner feminine of man, where you can get those feelings, those self-validation, that sense of self-worth, knowing that you don't need to supplicate or compromise or even conquer women in order to get those things. You can generate them from yourself and therefore you can be a complete adult man when you actually interact with women. My last suggestion involves your actual mother. Because even though the mother complex is in your head, it's really about how you perceived your mother when you were a boy. Likely, if you have an active mother complex, you still probably have these feelings triggered by your actual mother if she's still around, if you still have a relationship with her. And I would go ahead and guess that in most cases, at least, your actual mother probably still treats you like a boy, which is why it's being reinforced. And this is kind of true across the board, like our identities and maybe negative or unwanted character traits are often reinforced by people that we're close to who see us in a certain way. And a lot of these things inside of us can be worked out with the person that it maps to on the outside. So if your mom still treats you as a boy, kind of a low-hanging fruit in addressing the mother complex is, can you make sure she no longer does? Can you do something that makes it very clear to your mother that she has to treat you like a grown man? This could be taking greater responsibility amongst family affairs. This could mean, you know, making sure you're 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 doing things that do not involve her involvement or maybe denying her involvement. And as an example of something that I've done, and my mother uh, certainly treated me like a, a boy in many embarrassing ways, even up until I was almost 30, right? Like she really thought of me as a child, spoke to me like a child, treated me like a child with, of course, which of course reinforced my mother complex. Something I noticed some years ago was that whenever I would meet my mom, if we would go to lunch or something, she would pay. And I didn't think much of it. It's not like lunch costs a lot and maybe didn't matter so much. But I realized this was kind of reinforcing our parent-child dynamic and maybe making it easier for her to see me as a kid, even though I was almost 30. 
And I realized if I flip this dynamic, if I simply make a point to take her out to lunch and pay for, for lunch, it would kind of force something to change, right? It would, it would break our pattern. Even in this small way, like it would kind of force her to not see me as a little kid and recognize I'm a grown man with money who can take care of her too. And actually what the result was, was, was more significant than I expected. Like it was the first time my mom actually spoke to me as an adult and actually like cared about my adult opinions or shared things more as a peer than as a parent child. And even though, you know, you know, paying for lunch is you know, not the most significant thing, it's not a big deal. I do believe that these small actions, especially if you're breaking a pattern, not going along with what has always happened, can have a profound effect on how people see you, but also how you see yourself ultimately. So far, we've been speaking about what's going on internally, the, the internal mother complex, psychodramas, et cetera. But I did open this episode by speaking on how the P-Hub data, I believe, does reflect something about what's going on in the collective male consciousness in our in our culture. More men than ever before view themselves as boys and it's seen in their relations with women or lack of the, you know, there's more incels than ever before. You probably know a lot of these statistics already. And in addition to whatever may have happened with your upbringing, with your, your mother and your own life, our culture heavily reinforces the mother complex. So I'm not trying to promote some conspiracy theory that there's some evil mastermind somewhere trying to keep people as good, controllable consumers. But if you simply just look at the culture and forces model of history, it's understandable that a globalist economy would more greatly reward people for being better contributors and consumers. I just heard this thing recently, this term called of the dinks, your dual income, no kids. And I have my judgments of it, of course, but it's totally understandable that in a consumerist morality, you know, consumerist morality being that good equals buying more stuff, it would make sense that people would want to be dinks, right? And related to all of this is to say that our culture heavily rewards men for having mother complexes, for feeling like boys, for seeking validation from the feminine, not just from women, but also from the archetypal mother in society, which again is demonstrated in Fight Club. All of these boys trying to get from the get away from the archetypal mother. And the flip side of that, women more than ever, and I think, you know, this is not to blame feminism in particular, but this is part of the globalist culture. Women are encouraged to act like mothers to grown men. They're encouraged to mother men. The maternal instinct has kind of been displaced away from children to men that they date, which is why you, you see this so commonly in our culture where a woman is frustrated that every guy she dates turns into her son in some weird way. And this is not to shame anyone for any decisions or interests, but the fact is this this is not how our reproductive instincts are wired. This is not something that turns women on and makes them want to procreate and become actual mothers. This is not something that leads to men feeling fulfilled and empowered either, right? Everyone suffers from this, at least when it comes to intimate relationships. So I will end all of this by saying that while the mother complex is more prominent in our culture now than ever before, you are actually doing yourself yourself and also any woman you're ever going to be in a relationship with and also society as a whole by addressing it and integrating it. And you will know that it has been integrated if you notice that your sexual interests start to shift. Thanks for watching. I know this episode is probably longer than what I've been putting out lately, but there's a lot to this topic and I'm going to be putting out some related episodes. So if the MILF trope represents a lack of, in boy psychology, the manic pixie dream girl or nymphotrope represents a stage of 
psychological adolescence in men. So I'm going to address that. And also I, I'm working on an episode of the female version of this. So if pornographic tropes represent male psychological needs, the tropes that you see, see in romance novels say a lot conversely about female sexuality. And similar to the misunderstandings I think women have about male sexuality, men don't understand a lot. And I'll even say I still don't understand a lot of what goes on in romance novel tropes, but I'm going to attempt to tackle that subject. If, if either of those episodes are particularly interesting, feel free to send me a message or leave a comment and I'll make sure that is the next one. Thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe, all that good stuff. Rate me on Spotify. Goodbye. Try.